0: Hello again, and welcome to Planet Product Owner. This is your host, Scott. Uh, Welcome in. I appreciate you listening and uh, giving it a try again. If you were one of those early listeners from the first couple of episodes where I had some major audio issues, and I hope that that's getting cleaned up now. Um, Just for you new folks who are listening in, uh, just to introduce, I guess, what we do here. We talk about thinking patterns. We don't necessarily interview people, although interviews are coming probably because I have some folks interested in joining up, which is great. Um, We don't talk about – I mean, yeah, we touch on things that are in books and other resources and things like that. But really what you're getting is some firsthand experience from – someone who has been doing this for a while. And uh, I've coached a lot of teams, coached a lot of product owners, Scrum Masters teams. Uh, I've held various different positions when it comes to Agile XP Scrum, all these things, a lot of enterprise builds uh, from the ground up really. And uh, and then some smaller ones too. So working across all of the different levels of what we would uh, consider scaled Agile uh, framework of some kind. Um, and down to even individual teams, Um, that's kind of where I get my experience, and so I'm sharing with you some of the thinking patterns that we should be taking as a product owner. And I found that Scrum Masters are uh, entertained and and enjoy this as well, and uh, organizational leaders and team members alike, I mean, everybody's kind of listening to this, and the numbers in the emails and the feedback are uh, showing that to me and giving me that feedback, so I'm going to keep going with this thing. Um, I think it's uh, it, I think it's a great platform, and I think it's really good that we're getting some feedback. Of course, I say that every time to you folks who have been listening for a little while. I really appreciate it. I would ask that you tell a friend if you're getting something from it. Um, turn your organizational leadership onto it, maybe if you want to, and that's fine. I'm always out here for uh, for questions or help. Um, I I really just enjoy coaching, and I enjoy the aspects of delivery um, in smaller chunks to test and validate and verify what we're doing so that we go out and refactor it and just getting the work done, not working in circles. But remember our primary goal as a product owner is to deliver quality uh, a little faster than what we could have done in a traditional mindset and framework. Um, maximizing that value, you know, that the team does, that's really important for the product owner. Uh, Today, I want to talk about, and I'm glad we're moving off of user stories again. I know you guys are too. You guys are probably sick of of hearing about user stories. Um, Today, I want to follow up on a question that a listener had submitted. Um, And I touched on this in the last episode, I think. But the question was roadmap planning, how to get good guesstimates from developers for things that we will start doing too much from now, and those things may be quite vague, uh how can we you know and so that was one of the topics that that uh that was suggested um that we touch on here today and so i'm it's my pleasure to do that today um so let me set up uh kind of the uh the way that this episode is going to flow just to give you an idea um first what i'm going to do is uh is talk about a little bit of uh a little bit to your cadence and how we back into the conversation about the uh, about estimating that future work. So we're going to talk a little bit about cadence, and we're going to take, a back, uh, take it back a little bit into the sprint and how the sprints impact uh, your decision-making, I guess, or your analysis or your swag or whatever. And then in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, defining that issue of, uh, of uh, trying to swag or guesstimate um, those features that are coming that might be vague, give you maybe some solutions for that, uh, things that have worked for me in the way that I actually um, take those things on uh, myself. And then uh, wrapping up in the last segment, I really don't know where that's going to go. I'll just be quite honest. I'm kind of shooting for the hip, but maybe we'll talk about uh, some anti-patterns to watch out for and maybe some some hooks and snags that you might run into with uh, giving those estimates. So let's get started. Um, Understanding the team's capacity is something that we often talk about, but how do we really do that? Um, it's real easy for us to say, well, it, you know, I think we can do 25, uh, 25 points per sprint, or we can do three large, two medium, three small uh, stories in a sprint. Um, whatever the case is, you know, we, sometimes we shoot from the hip or we guess about the number because that's just what the charts say right we we see the output of that and we and 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 we just kind of go based off of that right the question becomes though how can you use that information that you're finding at the conclusion of your sprint like from your burn down chart or your points variables or whatever it is that you got to better uh to help us better understand future work is not very clear and we're going to talk again about estimating the stuff that's not very clear a little more in the next segment but I do want you to stay for this one because what I'm doing here is I'm building up to show you some things here that you will be able to use in the next segment when I talk about these, uh, you know, the work that you're doing and the data that you have. So, see, the, the sprints are designed to provide some data behind what you're doing. I just don't know how often or how cleverly we're using that data as a product owner. And so I want to point out a couple of things here to help you Uh, on your way of analyzing that information and how how to use the information to your advantage. So first, let's start with the estimate for the stories. The team should be the ones to estimate the stories, not you. Product owner and scrum master, you should not participate in this exercise, okay? So if you're doing that, stop it because the product owner is going to give everything a one or a two and I know this because I want to jam as much possible in there every time every iteration every sprint the scrum master is probably going to assign a larger value to protect the team right um the idea here is that when we're when we're estimating this estimation for these stories is a tool that is a tool that's available I guess to the team to the dev team So that they can provide some relative value to the level of effort that they're doing. And again, some of you are using points. Some of you are using t-shirt sizes. Some of you are using dog sizes, Chihuahua, Great Dane, Boxer. I don't know. Um, All of those work at the team level for me. And I want to tell you why. It's because, again, y'all know how I feel. I've said this a hundred times and you know points don't matter. Right, and points don't matter. The, the the deal is, can you get it done in this iteration? And you know, I go back to that, but I also don't want to chastise a team to say because we do need to understand what bandwidth that we have. We do need to understand cadence. We do need to understand what kind of capacity that we might have. Okay. But when I say points don't matter, I'm really talking about points across the board that have no relative value. That's what I'm really talking about there. Um, the, The idea is that the estimation provided by this team should include everything that it takes to get it to a done state. And the definition of done should be agreed upon by the team and worked toward for every story by every team member in a scrum. You know, if you're in a Kanban, if you're in a Scrum, if you're in uh, XP, XP is a little bit different. But the idea is that, you know, a Kanban, you hear the word swarm, you know, the team wants to swarm. But this, uh, this Scrum idea is that when the t- the team should be working together, and, and what I'll normally do is assign one, st- I'll assign one team member, well, I won't assign it. My request is that one team member assigns him or herself that story and then anybody can participate on that story because you're always going to have peer review testing any kind of pair programming that we can get to i encourage that even in a scrum um to get that going because at the end of the day i just want them to deliver to meet the team goal right meet the sprint goal so the idea here is at the end of this iteration or sprint product owner, what you want to do is look at your trends as far as points or levels of effort are concerned with the reporting that you have, like a burn down chart. And if you don't have these things automated, that's fine. You can make your own, you know, the idea is you want to take the, the number of points that you committed to the number of points that you completed and then find the Delta. And that's probably going to be somewhere around, um, you know, the middle, you take the middle number and that's probably what your real, um, Throughput is right. Uh, your estimated throughput. But here's the thing: you you can't start understanding the cadence of what your team is producing without a couple of things. One is, it takes four consecutive data points to create a trend. Right. So if you're up four, if you know if you're if you're missing the mark four straight sprints, you got a trend. You're either overestimating or you're taking on too much work, okay? If you are adding work at the end of your sprint and you see the spike at the end of your sprint and then everything falls out and you you get it all done, then likely your team is underestimating what they can do or we're not really planning as well as we thought we would have. Right, so your team is either improving in their cadence, or we have a problem with what we're planning. It all depends on how it goes. Now, if you see spikes in the middle of your burn down chart, in the middle of your sprint, where you'll see the line jump up and then come back down a little bit, or trickle and come back up and trickle, that to me indicates that we're not planning as well as we should be. More so than it is, we're underestimating because uh, because we're adding things into that sprint that we didn't think of before, right? Um, the idea though is, and we can dive into that burn down chart and how to analyze that at a later time. But the point I'm trying to make here is that if you're not looking at those, you need to be. Um, you need to start looking at them because you need to start understanding the cadence and where they're getting hung up. But we're going to talk primarily about the cadence. So at the end of your sprint, what you want to look at is take the points that you had, right? And I don't mean the total. Number of points. I'm talking about just each story or each work where those values are assigned. And when you start looking at the stories or the work that those points were or estimates were assigned, what you want to start doing is analyzing the types of work for each one of those. You want to know the types of work or stories that are being estimated, executed, and completed. Now, When you start understanding the levels of effort or points needed for the different types of stories that you have, then you start understanding what kinds of, because you already know what kinds of stories you need, right? Because you're writing the majority of those. Once you start understanding the levels of effort that your team is assigning or estimating to each one of those work types, then you have a new tool, Right. Because when you start going out and looking at stuff, you can start using that data that you have to start estimating the new stuff that's coming down. Now, let me say this. When we're talking about, again, estimation, I I told you guys I shared with you, I have a team member um, who offered and suggested as a scrum master a very neat um, idea. I thought it was pretty cool. And what she did is she says, okay, team, at the end of, you know, at the end of the retro or beginning of the retro or whatever, when we were kind of recapping and we were in happy talk time or whatever it was, she says, Hey, look at this story and tell me, was this a five or a three? Was this a three or a two? Was this really a three or was it more like a two? Now, I'm not saying we're going back and changing those. We're just trying to get into the mind and understand what it is that we're looking at and how we are uh how we're estimating those things. I think there's some value from going back and just kind of looking at that. There's value in it for you because you're going to understand a little bit more about why they're estimating the way they're doing. Now. So, with all of that said, let's uh let's hold off because all of this was to set up the next segment. We're going to dive into the question the issue with estimating future work is not very clear and I hope that I can offer some ways to handle that stuff so thanks for joining and stick around <laughs> So program level or management wants to understand capacity planning. They want to understand what the throughput is because, you know, they, they need to understand how many resources, how much time, how much money, et cetera, you know, things like that. I think a common mistake, though, that many in management or in the program level make in some kind of scaled Agile or Scrum Scrum environment is that they throw relativity out the window when we plan for lengthy increments like program increments or quarters or whatever your demarcation is. Um, For most of us, we have to work within the constraints of using what we know. Um, You know, and and when when what we know becomes what we knew, that's when we often run into issues. So the value in relative estimation is really critical. Uh, If you're going to use it, if you're going to use any kind of estimate, make sure that it's relative. Relative to you, relative to your team, to your team makeup. To the types of work that we talked about in that first uh, in the first segment in this episode. Now, understanding your demarcation is important as well. Uh, let me help you with that. Um, the demarcation in in your time boxes or your iterations or your sprints or your increments or however you're coding or planning, um, you know, to produce this work, based on your release schedule or based on any other kind of factors that you might have understanding the demarcation there in your time box if you start and the end is really important because um, th- making sure that those are consistent are going to give you, uh, I guess, more relativity. Does that make sense? So you got to keep it all relative. <laughs> keep it all relative. Um, we run When we run into issues, though, like team splits, uh, runway work not available, priorities aren't real clear, competing priorities, things that are thrown at us at the last minute, whatever, um, that's where we run into the things that we don't know, right? Um, and that kind of takes us back to what we're talking about from the question from the, uh, from the listener. Um, we don't know everything about what we're supposedly committing to or what we're willing to accept. And like I said, in the past, that is okay, that we don't know everything, because if we knew everything, we wouldn't be doing this, right? Right. But as a product owner, we really have to start becoming more comfortable with understanding the levels of effort enough to swag or guesstimate what we think we can be handled. So, in the last segment, we talked about becoming more familiar with the types of work. I think I, I think it's bigger than just becoming more familiar. I don't I don't want you to just be exposed to the types of work that your team does. I think you should become intimately familiar with this and here's why. Um the idea here is that the more we understand and the more we know about the types of work that we're that our team has been working on to produce whatever it is from end to amen um that we're delivering here it provides us that relative historical data point, right, Uh, to measure the level of effort that was needed, or what we expended, I guess, uh, if it were solely committed, because at that point in time, it was solely committed, right? So let's look at it this way. Um, You get a feature or a body of work or some initiative that, you know, needs to be estimated. You don't really know the ins and outs of that. Okay, I get it. That's the question. Now, here's here's the way that I handle this and approach it so I'm going to give it to you and offer it to you as a as a suggestion okay um, When I understand the types of work that the team has been working on and what levels of effort are involved with each of those types of work, I can look at a incoming piece of work that I'm not you know totally familiar with the ins and outs, and I work on what I know based on what I know, I'm going to have three, four, six, whatever, you know, UI type stories that are just text change, or maybe some artwork is involved or whatever. I'm going to have some integration, you know, to an API or to a database or both or whatever. So I know what, uh, I know what kinds of estimates were required on something kind of similar to that. Because again, remember, let's go back to a previous episode you're not going to be the technical owner, the technical master, but you do need to be technical enough to be able to speak to uh, what kinds of components are involved with this build, okay, with well, whatever you're working on. So if I'm able to go back and look, and, and, and I look at this this new initiative or this new body of work that we're supposedly committing to in our next increment or whatever, um I can start looking at that and realizing, look at it from a story perspective, or from a task perspective, or from a work breakdown perspective, and start figuring it out, alright? So I'm going to take three medium-sized, two smalls, and two larges to get this work done. So I, I hope that that makes sense to you. What All I'm really trying to convey to you, and I'm going to try to unpackage this just a little bit more, unpack it a little bit more. What I'm trying to convey to you is smaller batch sizes. You know, think of it as smaller batch sizes. Think of that big initiative that you're trying to plan for, prioritize for, or to capacity plan or guesstimate for, swag, whatever. Think of it in terms of smaller batch sizes. So break that thing down, but put it in terms of how would you approach the stories? How would you approach the scenarios? How would you... Uh, how would you begin writing stories for that? Then you can better understand, if you're intimately fam- familiar with the types of work that your team does and what levels of efforts are associated with each one of those, then you can start getting a better understanding of estimating that sto- uh, that initiative or that feature. All right. So that's, a, that's the first way that I would do it. Uh, I hope that helps. The second uh, idea that I have for you, and this is really an idea, and I don't know if you can get get on board with this or not, but I'm just going to throw a throw a shot in the dark here and hope I hit something. All right. At times, what I have figured in my head was I've said, OK, it's going to take me. I, I look at this work and I and I think about it in terms of uh, of the time frame, because you remember, I don't I don't really worry about points because point points just become so irrelative to a lot of things that we do. I mean, overall, it really does. Um, but what I would imagine is if I look at this thing that's unknown, knowing what I know about it and doing a little bit of inference, you know, a little investigation there. What I would think to myself is, OK, if we solely committed on this, if this is what we were doing, it's going to take me three sprints. It's going to take me one sprint. It's going to take me four sprints. If this is all I was doing. Well, then, if I look at it from that perspective, then I look back and I think to myself, okay, self, I've had, you know, 30 points of sprint or 25 points of sprint or whatever it is, okay, then what I would uh, assume is that I could take kind of the percentage of that and figure out what the estimation is. All right, so I hope that helps. Um, A final way of doing that is to look overall at whatever demarcation you have. If it is an increment like a quarter or if it is a half a year or semester or a year, uh, a month or release to release is 30 days or if it's 10 days, whatever it is, whatever your demarcation is, sometimes you can actually just take the percentages of the historical data and those points and that information that you have. Um, To start understanding it, but you can't do that unless you start visualizing and writing up scenarios That would accomplish the goal of that thing that you're trying to do because and you got to do your best to get ahead of it I'm going to talk a little bit about getting ahead of it in the next segment but it's really critical for you to start understanding the types of work now you see why it's so important for us to start understanding that because even somebody non-technical can start looking at the types of work that the team is doing and start understanding what kinds of levels of effort are involved with that and you can start connecting some dots you know that i mean that's that to me sounds like a good plan for all of us you know that we need to be intimately familiar with the, the work types and the levels of effort involved So stick tight. We're going to go to the next segment, maybe the last segment for the day. We're going to talk about planning a little bit and uh, still more to come on the knowns and unknowns. So stick around. So let's talk about how the planning is going. Um, We want the perfect world, right? Because we want to execute perfectly. Sure, we want birds singing, we want dancing with unicorns and all of this unknown work to become known. Now we enter into reality where the fact is we really don't know what we don't know. This is where I think planning and roadmapping and getting yourself engaged um, a little bit more to the left-hand side, so to speak, Uh, is particularly important for the product owner because that work is coming somewhere maybe to your team maybe one that works closely with you either way we have to start understanding more about what we can and can't commit to right and that's the whole purpose of guesstimates estimating stuff that's that we don't know much about because we want to know what our gag factor is what can we handle what can we not um remember i told you a while back smaller batch sizes make us all more effective in delivery think of these unknowns as a small batch size Um, now that I've totally thrown you for a loop with that comment, (laughs) let me walk it back a little bit to the story mapping exercise we covered a few episodes back. Um, the art of story mapping or journey mapping is one that you should start looking to adopt. You really need to get strong in this because the idea is we realize that there are steps to get from A to B to C to D, whatever, right? Um, And so understanding and identifying what those major components are or those major functional steps are to walk you through this initiative or whatever it is that you're planning to deliver. Understanding those so that you can map out some potential options to solve the need is really important. Now, I realize that it's out of your sprint, right? It's not in your sprint that you're going to be looking at this stuff. That's okay, product owner you're not a team member a dev team member you're a member of the team but you're not a dev team member so your your time spent should in in all honesty in all honesty excuse me should not be spent solely with the sprint okay you should be looking ahead you should be looking ahead at these features and if you can get some general idea about the major um components or functional steps or steps or whatever it is about this new level of effort that you're going <laughs> to encounter here pretty soon, obviously, because they're sending it to you, right? Um, the better off you're going to be. We've we've heard this before about story mapping, journey mapping, and some of us actually implement it. Uh, but for those of you who haven't done it yet, let me give you a short example of what we're talking about, okay? The idea is that we want to identify... Once we identify those major steps, we want to identify the quickest, dirtiest, and cheapest path that provides the most value. Now, why would we do this? It's because what we're doing there is we're maximizing the value from the team. So we could have any number of options to satisfy the need of what we've identified in each one of these steps, but the one that gets us there the quickest with the most value is the one that we're probably going to select, right? Let me give you an an analogy. I was talking with somebody earlier this week. Um, The ice cream shop has 20 flavors, but 15 of them are the biggest sellers. That's the top 80%, right? So they throw out cases of six flavors every month because they're just not sold. What that means is they're not used. So now think in terms of what won't be used. When you start looking at these things that are coming down the pipe, remember, we want to test these. We want to validate these. We want to make sure we're in the right direction. But we need to be able to balance that with the speed and delivery and the quality in which we're producing, right? So you think in terms of what won't be used, and and I hope that kind of makes sense in relative to ordering the flavors, right? We don't need to be ordering a lot of flavors that are going to sit on the shelf and not sell. We don't need to be ordering a lot of stuff that we're going to throw out and because it's not going to be used, right? And then somebody's objection is always going to be, well, what happens if we skip that for now? Um, you know, but everybody starts yelling about it. Well, then we can make a decision to continue, right? We can, we can decide to start picking those back up or carrying them, right? But for now, we know that 80% of the folks are going to be in this path, right? Those are the things that you want to try to solve for. So this story mapping, journey mapping thing is going to help you a lot. If you can free up some time just to go ahead and look at some of these things that are coming down the pipe, get a better bit, a better idea, There's always going to be some unknowns. We understand that, but that's the purpose of incremental and iterative design. Um, It's the same thing we're talking about guesstimating the future unknown work. We need to try to get ahead of the conversation enough, obviously. And in some cases we can, some we can't. But I would encourage you to try to find some time set aside. Remember, I told you way early on, real early on, I told you about in this podcast, about my uh, backlog elaboration time that I set every morning when it's quiet. I'm able to get in there and get this stuff done. Start start, uh, integrating some time in there to look ahead. Um, Start reaching out to some folks about some ideas that they have about what's next. Um, If you get ahead of that conversation enough to where you have a decent idea of what's expected, then you can start getting a better idea of what's negotiable, what kind of compromises you can reach. That's going to help you, first of all, identify what's unknown a little earlier in the process, um, but it's also going to start putting your whole thinking cap on in terms of mapping, story mapping, the types of work you're going to need, um, getting some better estimates on that stuff and getting ahead of it all together. So I hope today's es- episode was helpful for you. I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of it. I look forward to your um, thoughts and comments. Of course, uh, Scott at org. Until next time, have a safe, lean journey, my friends.